Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It is Wednesday, March 10th, and we're talking healthcare. Industry Focus alum Christine Hargis here, neglecting my regular duties with TMF's Venture Fund to guest host this interview with Maria Villasares and Buffy Allegria of Steel Sky Ventures, a venture capital firm that invests in the future of women's healthcare. Maria, Buffy, I am so glad to have you both here. How are you? Great. Doing well. Thank you for having us. Awesome. If you could get us started and just tell us a little bit about yourselves and your backgrounds. Sure, my name is Maria Velasaris. I'm the founding partner of Steel Sky Ventures, and we invest in companies that create better access, care, or outcomes in women's healthcare. So my background starts as an entrepreneur. I started my first company out of college. It was a shipping and storage company with a friend from Duke. Um, we combined forces and grew the company to be the largest college shipping and storage company in the nation. And subsequently, that company was bought by U-Haul, and they still run it 20 years later. Um, so that was my first foray as an entrepreneur, then I spent the next 15 years of my career just picking up different pieces so that I could understand how to build and sustain great businesses. Um, so worked at consulting at Booz Allen, worked at craft and brand management, worked at branding firms, uh, and then landed at a VC-backed healthcare company um, that really got me interested in healthcare. And then I wanted to learn how to invest. And so I joined an angel networking group um, where I learned how to invest. And that's where Buffy joins my story. We started in 2017 investing in female-led companies and then specifically more women's health companies. Um, and then just last year, we decided to launch this fund. Hi, my name is Buffy Alegria and I'm managing partner at Steel Sky, Maria's partner. And I... Um, my background is in finance and healthcare. Um, I spent a lot of years with a large banking institution um, per creating, uh, creating a risk management, uh, credit risk management and underwriting uh, departments as well as mergers and acquisitions and corporate banking. And then I've also been um, very active in hospital boards over the last 10 years um, in my community and on the West Coast. And, I'm really passionate about using my background to combine my passion for science and help these companies innovate in the women's healthcare space um, as a result of personal healthcare issues, as well as um, having three daughters, I'm excited to um, improve the care towards women's healthcare. And we are really excited to in, in be investing in digital healthcare because the COVID pandemic has really accelerated the need for new delivery models of care. Um, not only patients, but also healthcare providers and payers are really looking for new delivery models to create better care, to uh, create better access to care, and also better health outcomes. Um, and now that patients and providers have both experienced the need for um, new digital healthcare options, um, you know, that demand is not going to go away. I mean, if you think about it, consumers are demanding their groceries, um, they're demanding takeout food, they're demanding movies on demand, and they're going to continue to want healthcare on demand as well and to have these healthcare delivery models meet them where they're at. And so we're really excited to be able to be at the forefront of this um, catalyst that COVID has created in the digital healthcare space. 
That's such interesting timing. Uh, was that deliberate? Did you know that you'd be raising in the midst of the pandemic? And <laughs> has that been beneficial or, or just a, a big challenge? Well, you know, we didn't know that we, <laughs> we actually launched in the second week of March. We were so excited. We had, we'd planned all January, you know, Buffy flew in. We had all these strategy sessions and we're like second week in March. That's our launch. We're super excited. Then second week in March is when everything fell apart. And so we were actually spent the next several months just uh, you know, creating the infrastructure of our company, getting our CRM systems in place, really understanding um, the inner workings of our company. And then we were able to jump back in market in, at Q, in Q4. Um, and then we were able to, you know, um, raise money and invest in six amazing different companies. So we're really excited about that. Also excited to have our first IPO out of the portfolio, which is an angel investment I made in 23andMe that we're rolling into the fund so that our investors can take um, advantage of those gains. But it's interesting because Buffy and I had been investing in these types of care models since 2017. So when we were investing in telemedicine, remote monitoring, digital health in 2017, we were investing in companies thinking, okay, they'll need probably, you know, about five to six years before people start catching on. We'll see if telemedicine ever becomes a thing. Post-COVID, all of these companies accelerated and hit the ground. And so we're really excited about the trajectory of our portfolio and where digital healthcare is going in general. Over $14 billion was invested in digital health globally last year. Nine billion of that um, was in the US specifically. So there's a lot of attention and a lot of money going into the space. So we're really excited about the growth um, and the trajectory of our companies. COVID has really just cemented um, our thesis. We had our thesis before, we saw the gaps in the marketplace pre-COVID and those have been really elevated um, due to the COVID you know, stay at home restrictions and trying to keep people out of the hospital and the doctor's office. And you know, adoption was a risk before COVID um, for, from a provider perspective and also from a patient perspective um, because the reimbursement for digital health wasn't there. And now um, you know, Rock Health recently did a study that shows that um, um, consumer adoption of digital healthcare models has grown over 10%. Um, and that includes live video telemedicine, wearables, and digital health tracking, um, remote monitoring solutions. And so it really has just cemented our thesis around these uh, delivery models going forward. That's great. And we're, we're as excited as you all are about the opportunity. Motley Fuel Ventures is an investor in SteelSky. Uh, so we're right there along for the ride. Um, curious, as you were out raising the fund, what was it that made your pitch compelling? You know, it's, it's really difficult for VCs to raise money from LPs. It's a side of the equation that a lot of people don't really think about. You think about how hard it is for startups to raise from venture capital funds, but the venture capital funds also need to go out and raise themselves. Uh, so as, as you were going through that journey, uh, what do you think it was that made your pitch stand out? Well, we're one of the only dedicated women's health funds in the world. So a lot of these larger VC funds are dabbling in women's healthcare. They'll do a deal here or there. There's only about four that are actually dedicating their entire funds to progressing the sector. And so that's really what set us apart. And what set us apart even further is we're one of the only returns first 
women's health funds. Some are investing for you know, social good, some are investing out of philanthropies, but we're, we really believe that you can invest in women's health and also create outsized returns. And so that's really what sets us apart. And not only that, our amazing team that we've brought, in, brought together, of investment professionals, medical professionals, operators and entrepreneurs like ourselves, we're really able to help guide these companies as they continue to grow. And we have a network of over 150 medical professionals that help us with diligence and understand the different medical challenges that each of these different types of companies are solving. And I think what also you know, sets us apart is our passion, right? We wake up every day knowing that even though we're going to have 10 fundraising meetings and be rejected probably eight of those times, the, day, the times that we get those checks from aligned investors like Motley Fool is, an, is a dollar that we can put into changing and bettering women's lives, right? We're investing in things that are going to create solutions for menopause, solutions for incontinence, things that have women have been struggling with for years, um, endometriosis, pelvic floor prolapse. These are things that other VCs aren't talking about. Um, but what makes it really interesting and was something that I wasn't expecting is that other VCs understand the opportunity. So we'll go and talk to a male VC and they'll say, wow, you're on to something, you're gonna win the deal and not me. Because they, you look like them, you talk like them, you understand, and they're much rather gonna be take one to check, take a check from you and work with you than a bunch of you know, six-year-old guys you know, who, who don't, <laughs> don't understand their solutions. So we've actually got a lot of investment from other GPs and other venture capital funds. You know, we live, we live this ourselves being women as well. We've gone through most of the health journeys that a woman will go through. And so we can understand from that perspective and that's really compelling, but we also use our resources to understand what are the healthcare providers? What are the payers, the insurance reimbursement payers looking for um, in gaps in their portfolio so that we can align, you know, the gaps that we see as patients with the gaps that they're also seeing as healthcare providers and, and payers. So what does it mean to be focused on women's health? Like, can you describe what would fall into your sweet spot and maybe something that would miss, but just by a hair? Like I, I think about a company like one of our portfolio companies, Round Trip, they do medical transportation. That benefits women in healthcare, but it also benefits men just as much. Uh, would that count or do, do your companies need to be specifically catering only to a female audience? So I, we, don't, we don't exclude, um, you know, male health indications. So for example, uh, women's health, women's heart health. Um, we've looked at many companies that are focused on heart health that obviously affects men and women alike, um, but heart health, heart issues are the number one killer of women. And so when we look at these companies who are innovating in heart health, for example, we would look to companies that have a specific focus in improving the outcomes in women's heart health. So they can also be focusing on men's issues, but if they don't have a specific focus on, on improving the care for women, then that would fall outside of our thesis but we aren't exclusively focused on women's health issues. And to Buffy's point, we're also um, investing in access, access to care, right? So that might not necessarily seem like it's just targeted towards women, but women are bound by their lack of access. Some women don't have access to cars. Some of them can't get off work to go to their appointments. So something like round trip would create better access for women to be able to go to their treatments. And so that would fit into you know, our thesis. Our thesis isn't, isn't narrow, it's, it's broader because there's a whole subsection of, of, of things that go into providing better healthcare for women. So it could be rides, it could be accessibility to insurance, it could 
be babysitting. It could be other social determinants of health, like mental health care um, as well. And so those are all very important themes. And so that's kind of the outlook that we have on the impact to women's health. Got it, right? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's cement it a little bit more with some examples. Do you want to talk about some highlights from your portfolio? Sure. One of our favorite um, portfolio companies right now is Lark Health. And so if anybody's familiar with a small little company called Lavongo, um, they just uh, had an IPO last year of $3.4 billion. And then recently um, they were acquired for $18.5 billion by Teladoc. So we are really excited about where that space is going. And Lark is what we like to think of is uh, Lavongo 2.0. So they um, are a platform for chronic care for chronic diseases. Um, and a company like Lavongo would use live nurses and a company like Lark uses AI technology. So they are infinitely scalable. And so we kind of think of them as a, a Lavongo 2.0. So they're definitely been in talks in the IPO market. They were definitely been approached um, by several SPACs to have them participate as well. But we're really excited about that company and what they can do. And especially there's going to be a, a, a frenzy, a buying frenzy right now in digital health. And they are one that's on the short list. So we're re really excited to see where that company goes. Also helmed by a female founder. So that is always an icing on the cake as well. Another company we're super excited about is Zipline. And when you talk about what's in and out of bounds, people may not understand why a company like Zipline, which is a drone delivery prescription platform, would fit into our thesis. But again, we want to create access to women in rural communities. Zipline has spent the last six years in Africa delivering medical treatments and blood to rural communities and rural hospitals in Africa. They saved over 15,000 women who, were, who would have bled out during childbirth. So when and Keller and Keenan came to us and were like, we really want um, to have you invest in our company because we have been, you know, we're dedicated to this women's health initiative as well. We really got on board with them and we're excited about where they're going. They just closed a, a Series E round and they are in partnerships with Walmart to start delivering prescriptions in the United States. So we're really excited about the trajectory of that. And also when we're thinking about delivering medicine to women or prescriptions, stigmatized prescription services to women who may be in Kansas or other you know, remote places where they have to drive two hours to get prescriptions and so they don't get them. Um, a company like Zipline can help create better access so that women can you know, receive these prescriptions. Yeah, and I, I think one of our other portfolio companies that plays into that same delivery model is 28 Health, which um, is targeting the underserved Medicaid population as well as the commercially served in delivering uh, prescription contraception and other medication, women's medication to women in um, rural areas across the United States. And so they are um, they have digital health visits for these women to access these prescriptions and get them delivered to their door rather than them having to go to a doctor, go to the pharmacy and, rece and receive these prescriptions. So many of these women's, women have not had access to contraception prescriptives um, in the past. And so this really elevates their access to care um, and improves you know, their outcomes and health. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we talk a lot at the Molly Pool about purpose and profit, and we have mm -hmm. such a strong conviction that you can have both. It sounds like all of these companies that you're investing in have that same uh, alignment and mentality. One that you mentioned earlier that I want to double click on is 23andMe. This is one that many people in our audience have probably heard of. Uh, it's, it's grown pretty considerably over, over the last several years. I'm curious how you originally found the deal and, and what was that original investment thesis? Right, so I found the deal um, a 
few years ago and I was really just you know, reading the paper and I saw that 23andMe had announced a partnership with GlaxoSmithKline and I, the bell started going off. They were going to be the first company to be able to use a diverse data set, gender, ethnicity, gender and ethnicity diverse data set to inform drugs, treatments and cures. So this is novel in the world. I don't know how familiar your audience is with clinical trials, but most clinical trials are done on white men of average size. So all of the dosaging, all of the dosages are made for that type of population. So of the 10 FDA drugs on the market, that got recalled, eight of them were uh, in between um, 1997 and 2000. Eight of them were because the dosaging in women were so severe because it's not made for us. And there's a lot of like that you can see even beyond healthcare. For instance, seatbelts, they aren't made for us. We die at 78% higher rates. Mannequin dummies aren't made for us. Women are dying because um, people aren't comfortable giving women CPR because they only practice on male dummies. So all of these things are pervasive. And that's why I really thought it was an interesting use of the DNA and the ancestry data that 23andMe was able to, um, to gather to be able to use this diverse data set to make better and more customized treatments and drugs for diverse communities. That's what really got me interested. Even though I was investing at a little bit later stage, this seemed to be the very start of this new company, which is going to be, you know, basically a drug platform. Yeah, they, they have such a, a cool and interesting story. What has surprised you the most about it? You know, as, as VCs, we like to look into our crystal balls and, and say that we can tell everything about the future, but really, you know, we're, we're looking for these great mission-driven companies that we think can beat the odds, uh, but there are always surprises and challenges along the way. Um, I think that what's been a little bit surprising to us and we've has has kind of refined our um, mission even a little bit more is um, the amount of people in underserved populations the Medicaid Medicare population that um, that really have been untapped in in many of these endeavors in digital health and in healthcare in general and and yet um, the population in Medicaid alone is double that of the commercially insured and so it's a very um, opportunistic population, you know, in terms of innovation and delivering better care and access to care. And so that's been one surprise I think that we've been happy to focus on actually, because um, there isn't, doesn't seem to be enough of that in the market. And we really feel like it has great potential for outsized returns and also for impact. And now as the company nears an exit, uh, can you provide us a little bit of uh, details around that? Well, we're probably not we're ready to talk about that right now. We're excited they're you know, joining Richard Branson's stack and looking forward to, to an IPO in the future. And we're really excited to see you know, how the market receives them and, and how it grows. And we hope the, the general market will be as excited as we are about really the future of this company and kind of change the thinking from thinking about them as an ancestry company and a DNA collection company to really thinking about them as the next huge pharmaceutical company that can create customized treatments and medicines that can better inform, you know, drugs and, you know, healthcare going forward. Uh, SPACs have become all the rage lately, uh, particularly in our, our world, but for our listeners who might not be familiar, can you tell us a little bit about what that even is? So SPACs are kind of a company where it's kind of like, um, 
a vehicle where you have the money and then you you add the company. So right now we're actually working on a really interesting um, SPAC opportunity around women's healthcare um, because what we found in the market for women's healthcare is that it's very fragmented. A lot of um, companies are addressing very specific niche disease states and they might not be big and venture backable on their own, but if we put them together and merge them together in a SPAC platform, we're kind of creating a mini company of several companies that can create large venture capital returns. And so that's when um, one of the things you may be finding in these SPACs. Also, you know, there's a lot of SPACs that are um, very focused on a certain theme. So a digital health theme, we're doing a women's health theme, we're doing even a pelvic floor women's health theme. Um, and so I think that it's really interesting way for companies to come to the broader market who may not be able to have success in fundraising on their own because they won't be billion dollar companies. But when you combine them with other companies that are in adjacent categories, then you have an opportunity for outsized returns. And we, we also find that that offers the opportunity to really expand the continuum of care in those areas. So, you know, as Maria mentioned, we're looking at maternal health and pelvic floor and, and exploring the possibility of maybe creating a SPAC in, in those categories. And that really, by combining a whole bunch of little companies that are operating in a niche, it really expands the opportunity for it to offer services around the full continuum of care in that care line. And we thought it would take a couple of years for these companies to grow. All these little companies were like, okay, our first fund, we'll invest in them at the seed. Then our second fund will raise a bigger fund and we'll help them scale. And then our third fund will be a buyout fund where we buy them all together. But what SPACs have enabled us to do is accelerate that timeline and get these companies together and bring them to the market more quickly. Interesting. So then once they are public, uh, do you think that these companies are investable for, for your average retail investor? Yes, they are. And it's definitely what we found in the market is that investors want to invest in things that are interesting to them. You know, and, and there's so there's already so many fintech companies or crypto, but healthcare is something that affects us all. And it's something, especially women, are are, are really incentivized to help. Um, they want to find cures for menopause. They want to find cures for incontinence, endometriosis. So I really think that this gives um, the average retail investor the opportunity to invest in in companies that you care about and the companies that actually affect and impact you and your daily life. So we're really excited to get these private companies that would have stayed private for the next 10 years to the market earlier. Yeah, we always like to say, you know, COVID can stop many things, but it can't stop, you know, menstruation. It can't stop uh, motherhood. It can't stop menopause. Um, and it also can't stop all of the healthcare issues that everyone experiences, even the consumer um, and the investor, you know. So healthcare is really, um, I think, a defensive position um, as an investor um, because there's always going to be new solutions needed and new healthcare delivery models um, to address, you know, ongoing health concerns. Now, uh, as an investor in this space, it's, it's clear that the problem is huge, but particularly when you're looking at early stage companies, they're really risky. Many of them will fail. So in, in general, you know, as a private investor or as somebody investing strictly in the public markets, when you're looking at a company that can potentially capitalize on a thesis that you have around healthcare and women's health, uh, what, what signs do you look for that it will be successful? 
Number one, we look for the market size. Is this something that's needed in the market? So we like to address pain points in the market and not necessarily nice to have. Um, and so when people come to us with an idea, we'll say, you know, that's a really nice to have. I think, you know, that would be a great add on or addition. Um, but we're really trying to solve huge pain points in the market because people pay for things that are huge pain points. So for instance, some women's health companies come to us. We invested in the first at home incontinence tool. That company did almost a million dollars of sales in a couple of months because that's what a pain point is for people. And so we feel like if we're investing in companies that solve really unique and challenging needs in the marketplace, that when there's not solutions there, that we'll be able to drive customer adoption and sustainable, sustainable adoption going forward. Number two, we like to look for good entrepreneurs. At the end of the day, we're working with these companies for the next 10 years. So we have to invest in people that we like, that we trust, that we believe in, and that are coachable. So a lot of company, um, you know, founders come and they're super confident, but we love the founders that come that are humble. They understand what they know, they understand what their gaps are, and they understand how we can help them fill those gaps. And we look at our relationship with these founders as a partnership. Uh, just writing a check is only our first, you know, line of, you know, getting in the relationship, right? We write the check, we shake hands, and then our relationship begins. Other investors may think, okay, we get to know you for two years and then we finally write you a check. But we're really put our money where our mouth is, and we have a whole team dedicated to helping them with post-deal support. So we bring them in. I'm a former consultant. So I love looking at companies, finding gaps, and being able to find the resources to help them scale and grow. So we take that approach. We use my consulting approach in how we um, engage with our portfolio companies and, and how we help them throughout the life cycle of their careers. Great. Last question that I have for you before we wrap up, where can our listeners go to learn more about Steel Sky and investing in women's health? Um, they can are more than welcome to um, visit our website at www.steelskyventures.com. And we're also accessible on LinkedIn um, as well. Uh, and we, you can see us in many conferences, women's health conferences as well. We have a couple coming up on panels that are featured. We're um, always, we're about to be, have a documentary feature um, on Hims TV as well. So if you check um, the Steel Sky website and you check our LinkedIn, you'll be able to access and, and see us um, in the various different types of media channels. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focused. You can find out more about Motley Fool Ventures at foolventures.com. And you can always say hey and reach out to us at invest at foolventures.com. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for his work behind the glass today. And thank you for listening. Until next time, fool on.